Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it's Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast, presented, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, classic journeyman. I love the football. I love it. High school, college. NFL. This show is three shows in one because we will give you a breakdown of the biggest games of the week every week once the season starts, as well as make picks against the spread once the season starts, as well as break down the biggest prospects in those games. So it's a betting podcast, it's college football podcast. And it's an NFL Draft podcast all in one. Today, we are continuing our series of the 10 guys Emery is most intrigued by, wants to discuss in every conference of the, the Power FBS. And we always have that last one at the end where it's sort of a smorgasbord and Emery can pick any 10 guys he wants from Group of Five, FCS, whatever. Emery, of course is at F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube. You see him all the time on CBS Sports HQ. His name is Emery Hunt. It's unbelievable how many leagues he watches. I don't even know the leagues that he watches. I, I never even heard of the leagues that he's watching. It's incredible. At some point, I'll tell you about his draft guide, uh, as we get a little bit closer to that, you can check me out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL at Ross Tucker Pod. We love, love, love the five star reviews and love. If you have any specific questions about prospects or college football for Emory, Emory, how are you, man? I'm doing fine, man. It's it's always a pleasure to be talking ball here, and I love the fact you said high school football. You know, because again, that high school, my high school calendar is filling up. I got some. Harrisburg games in the mid pen and uh, some games here locally, like literally not too far from where I live here in Jersey. I got two games on flow sports, um, you know, Don Bosco and, and Paramus. Like I got all, I'll, I'm excited about those. So I literally can go two miles up the street and call a game, be right back home in my pajamas. And that is good football. Yeah. That, that really is really, I mean, that's big boy high school football. When you're talking Don Bosco and Paramus Catholic and some of those big-time programs in North Jersey, that's awesome. By the way, Emery, rookies for the Buffalo Bills and the Las Vegas Raiders report to training camp today. Oh, my goodness. July 18th? That's a long road to hoe, bro. I mean, they – the season goes to like the second week of January now. I mean, that is – that's a long – I'm surprised Buffalo guys, the rookies can even report this early. 
are are they are are they playing in the Hall of Fame game or no? I thought it was Jags against the Raiders, but maybe I'm wrong. Because that, if you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I used to think that was the reason why certain teams started so early. They got that extra week, you know, to, before they go and and play their first game. I I, I thought, I thought the game. Yeah, it's the Raiders and the Jags. Wow. I don't know how because the Jags don't report. The rookies don't report to the 24th, same day as the vets. So some people like to bring in the rookies way early. Mm-hmm. Others like to bring them in the same day. Eagles bring them in the same day. But other people like to bring in the rookies way early, get as much time with them as they can, which I think is actually, like, based on what we do here, Emery, on the College Draft Podcast, I think it's really smart. Get a week with those guys. and. At least three or four days of practice in. So the number one, you know that they're in shape and know what they're doing by the time the vets get there, right? You know they're ready to roll by the time the vets get there. And also, maybe somebody flashes to you a little bit those days when they're getting more reps, and then they get a shot for the rest of camp. Yeah, especially when you factor in the amount of information that you know, you 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 have to give these guys that are new to your organization. Uh, who knows how much you were able to install in the OTAs and rookie mini camps? But yeah, get these guys in there early. Let them ask those questions. Get those mental reps in that that uh, classroom work. So therefore, when they do hit the field, that's less you have to you know install or teach up or coach up. You're still going to coach up or whatnot, but it, it helps you know bridge the gap a little bit. Maybe these guys feel a little bit more confident. They're playing faster, and they'll be able to you know make a dent in the depth chart. So I'm all for bringing those guys in. And as a rookie, you probably can't wait to get back to the facility because, man, this is my job. I'm I'm hired by the NFL. I'm about to go in there and, and, and do what I do. I would be chomping at the bit to get back in there early. Yeah, I, that's interesting. I, I, I want to talk to some teams about the logic and thought process for why they don't, you know, for the ones that don't, why don't you go ahead I mean, if you remember, uh, you know, we both played college ball, Ross. I remember we were there as freshmen. We got there four days before the the veterans came back. And the amount of information we got in those four days and reps, because at the time it was only three running backs. So, I mean, you talk about gas by the end of, you know, a drill because you're going boom, 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 boom. You know, it's like, man, but that, that time kind of helped bridge the gap a little bit for when the upperclassmen got there and you was like, okay, okay, this is how we do things. And now you get into more of a group. So I was, I mean, I was just, I was taking copious notes. I uh, was just so hell bent on just getting all this information because it was, is new. I'm pretty sure you, you guys reported earlier than the veterans did as well at Princeton. Both college and the NFL college. Mm-hmm. We definitely were there a couple of days before the vets, uh, the upperclassmen. And then in the NFL, Marty Schottenheimer had us, we were at Redskin Park for two or three days before then we drove up and met up with the rest of the team at training camp at Dickinson College. So, yeah, I'm look, I'm sure there's good logic for a lot of these teams that don't do it. I just, I'm, I'll be curious to hear what it is. I'm, I'm fascinated now. Let's get to some of these top 10 prospects in the Big 12, Emory. And the guy I really am... am excited to talk to you about and hopefully spend a decent amount of time on 
We talked about him last year. I know that. It's funny because last year, people were saying, oh, there's no great running backs this year. But next year, Bijan Robinson from Texas. So let's talk about Bijan Robinson from Emory. Just how good is he? He is, I think he's this year's Brees Hall. You know, and, and when I say that, I'm not saying his style is like Brees Hall. I'm saying he can affect the game in all three facets, you know, and he's a he's well built. You know, he he's someone that bounces off contact. You can't just like, you know, hit him in the hip and he'll fall down. He's bouncing off those and still able to maintain speed. So we'll get into that part in a second. But I'm talking about someone that is a foundational running back that you can feed the football to if you need to. He can catch the ball out of the backfield rather well and, and shows proficiency in doing so. And, and as a downfield threat in the passing game, so you can expand your passing game with him in a in, in a game on the field. And if need be, if you draft him, it's a situation where, you know, you got an aging back that you're going to try to, you know, process out and then have him take over the following year or later in the year. You know, you, he could start as a kickoff returner. Uh, Tiki Barber took that route, right? And so I feel like B. John Robinson is such a, a polished player um, and can do all those things well. He's a tremendous prospect. Now, from his physical skills and what he has, he has the ability to break tackles. He has the ability to hit the home run. We've seen that a lot. It may not look like he's running, you know, blazing fast, uh, but he has that ability to hit his top gear pretty quickly and, and maintain it. He may not be able to accelerate, explode out, and and really burst past guys, but his top speed and maintaining that top speed is what makes him uh, such a dangerous runner and and someone that you know, shows a good bit of, you know, tackle to tackle vision and being able to, you know, cut it back against the grain. And so he does a lot of things really well. And I think he is the top back um, just from this very early viewing, the top back in this draft class because of everything that, that he encompasses as a prospect. How does he compare Emery to the guys the last couple of years? Did you think he's you know, a top 10 type of guy or just a first round type of guy? I guess I'm curious as to how you think they'll see him and just how high he could go. You know, it's it's interesting. And that's a, a great question because as I say, he's like Brees Hall. I probably would throw him in that mix of the Brees Halls, the Isaiah Spillers. Um, you know, I do like that he has a great sense of, of timing. You know, it seems like he's making the big play when Texas needs the big play to be made. Um, I like to see more of, you know, explosiveness within this game in terms of, you know, that, that suddenness. I feel like he's more of a, you know, he's not that he is when you, that's why I had those issues last year when people were saying, you know, next year you got B. John Robinson. I was like, well, what makes him different than, you know, what we're seeing from a Brees Hall or Isaiah Spiller or a Kyron Williams or whatnot, you know? And, and so maybe it's because Texas is not playing in these big games. Um, and he's not making a difference, but I feel like he's closer to what we used to see at the position and what we used to see in this conference, you know, the early iteration of the Big 12 where you had to have these backs that people fear, like a Cedric Benson. I think he's more Cedric Benson than he is Ricky Williams, if that makes sense, right? Um, you know, and so I feel like he's someone that is going to be a first-round pick. He is a first-round player, top 10 I'm a little jaded, Ross, because I, when I say when I think top ten, I'm thinking Barry Sanders, Eric Dickerson, you know, hell, C.J. Spiller. I mean, his tape at Clemson was tremendous, 
So I, I do see B. John Robinson as a first round player. Um, but I mean, we were splitting hairs and we we're saying top 10 and he goes, you know, 15. I mean, hell, that that's that's still a very good pick in my opinion. So I'm I'm all in on B. John Robinson for sure. Let's get to Marvin Mims, the receiver from Oklahoma. <laughs> Bless you. I think um he uh he is someone that he finds open grass. I, I feel like he's more of the possession receiver. Uh, type at the next level not necessarily the deep speed burner but someone that's going to be a, a, a nuisance because he's going to find a way to get open on third downs he's going to find a way to find the sticks he's going to find a way to make the catch he does a great job in getting his body in position to make the reception so you always see him out there on game day contorting his body you know to, to adjust to a ball um, he'll probably have to do that this year with Dylan Gabriel as well at, at quarterback. So it's something he's not used to. I mean, he's not not used to. Um, but I do like him. I feel like he is someone that you know, his speed is, is probably going to be a question, but he gets open. And at the end of the day, that's all I, I really care about. Next up, we've got – so Marvin Mims, by the way. So that you made an interesting comment about Dylan Gabriel because you don't have him as one of the ten guys we're going to discuss – He's played a lot of football, man. He's put up some crazy numbers. Why is he not one of the 10 guys you wanted to discuss? And you made an interesting comment about he's going to have to contort his body a lot because he's got Dylan. I thought Dylan Gabriel was pretty accurate. Yeah, but for me, it's like, I don't know if it's, I'm, you know, holding the offense he played in at UCF against him. I just feel like he was kind of, you know, part of the part of the system you know it wasn't really nothing he did that stood out there was no difference in my opinion from him and the uh, McKenzie Milton you know they they almost kind of were built the same looked the same and they just kind of played the same and so for me if I couldn't tell the difference between the two quarterbacks um maybe it's not the quarterback right maybe it's just the fact that you're running up tempo spread catch and shoot you know and so for me um Oklahoma we don't know what this this iteration of the offense is going to look like but what i do know is that gabriel is going to be tested probably more so from defenses than he was at ucf and we'll see that manifest itself out there on the field which again is why we'll see marvin mims make these you know these spectacular catches and contested catches i still have to see it first from gabriel in my opinion really really um really interested to see it's crazy that he's at Oklahoma, Caleb Williams at USC. I think I saw something, Emory, where 45% of the transfer or of the quarterbacks at FBS level that are projected to start are transfers, which is Especially pretty wild. In conference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about Will McDonald, the DN from Iowa State? He's he's someone that's so he's strong at the point of attack. So you're not gonna like move him off the ball with double teams. You're not gonna find someone just digging in his chest and you know escorting him out the way or, or pinning him and walling him off outside or kicking him out or whatnot. So he's able to maintain the line of scrimmage. Number one, uh, number two, I think he does a great job in in really pressuring the quarterback. Well, he may not get there sometimes but he causes enough to where he's disruptive and he gets the quarterback off the spot and someone else makes the play, or he just flat out makes the play. I feel like his pad level is a little bit too high. That will be a running theme here with some of these guys uh, we'll talk about. Um, you know, But 
pad level aside, I think he's solid. He's not, he's probably not as big as this guy. I'm going to say his game reminds me of, but he's, he has sort of the same game. Um, Mario Williams, when he was coming out of NC state, I feel like, you know, McDonald kind of plays the same way. Someone that could play across the defensive front. Um, he can play a five technique. He can play a seven. He's not twitchy enough to play a nine, but he has good length. So I feel like you you get someone that can serve in, in a uh, between a five to a seven uh, within your defense on either side of the line of scrimmage. And, you know, if he becomes a little bit more consistent with his pad level, that he's going to rack up sacks. But I feel like from a run defense, from a pass rushing perspective, he's pretty good right now. So I know a lot of you watch on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. You may notice I'm wearing a polo shirt. Big fan of the vintage-inspired polos that you can get at Express. All the different collars they have. Zip polos, Johnny collars, the different patterns, the elevated fabrics and textures. It's versatile. You know, with a polo, you can totally dress down like you're at the beach or you can dress up like you're going to a lunch meeting like I am today. Find an outfit for every destination at Express, online, or in store. All right. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Emery, let's move on. What a name now for the Texas linebacker, DeMarvian Overshone. Right, he definitely fills up the nameplate, right, in, in both on his jersey and also in the broadcast graphic. It's like, man, we got... All these letters, right? You got a lot of fun you could do with this this name. But uh, I love his his tenacity and his athleticism. He's sort of on the same plane as um, Alec Ogletree, but I feel like he's a more uh, instinctive player. Remember, Ogletree started at safety at yeah. Georgia before moving to, to linebacker. So he still was playing linebacker like a safety. Well, Overshone is someone that plays linebacker like a linebacker, but is built like a safety. Um He's he's someone that, that does a great job with his eyes and getting through the trash and making the, the impactful play. Pat level, high. You know, I like to see the pat level come down a little bit. He, he kind of wraps up top, um, wants to grab up a, around the shoulder pad a little bit too much. Um, but running chase, making plays, he's a little thin, uh, probably more of a weak side backer at the next level. But I love the ability. I thought he would have came out last year. Um, uh, but now, you know, he's coming back. And so he should have a big season for Texas. All right, number five, you got the D-tackle from West Virginia, Dante Stills. Now, I think I've seen this, but I don't want to – I don't want to talk out there. Is this Gary Stills' kid? I feel like it is, right? I, I'll Google I it like- real quick. You tell me about him, but I'll go – because I want to know just how old I should feel. Well, I want to know just how old I should feel right now. So First of all – the Steels. Yeah, his dad's Gary Stills. God. That's crazy. Because I was about to say the Steels at West Virginia are like the Lockets at Kansas State. I feel like yeah. it's always the Steels at West Virginia. Yeah, Dante's oh. dad, Gary, is five years older than me, played 10 years linebacker in the NFL, 
And uh, Dante is his son. Unreal. Crazy, man. We're getting up there, Ross. Uh, but his son is, I think, some people may say McDonald, but I feel like Steels is the best defensive lineman in the Big 12. Um, dude does not stay blocked. Uh, he knows how to use his hands well. Great pad level, great functional strength, uh, great ability to, you know, engage, lock out, read, react, disengage, and get, go and make the play. Uh, so I'm a big fan of Steels and what he brings to the table. Another guy that, you know, should blossom this year, I think he may even flirt with being a first-round pick um, because he's he's so good up front. And, again, another one of these defensive players that can play multiple techniques. So he could play from the five to a shade. And when you have that versatility because you have the ability to use your hands really well, you make yourself that much more valuable of a prospect going into the draft. Boy, that's, that sounds good. First-round pick. Best D lineman in the Big 12. Nice. Uh, what about, let's get to a quarterback now. Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State. It, he, he is someone that it was a fascinating case study. And I found myself comparing him to a quarterback that played uh, this past spring, well, earlier in the spring summer in the USFL, in Jordan Tiamu, right? When you put all of what Spencer Sanders tools are on a piece of paper like all right we have ourselves a really good quarterback athletic can throw on the move good mobility not afraid to to run when he needs to he can throw the football down the field uh, has you know a pretty good strong arm but the consistency of his play is what frustrates you and it's the tale of two you know sanders when you think about it, he came out the guns blazing as a freshman. He was like, oh, this dude's going to be a first-round pick. Clearly, he's they got something in this guy here at Oklahoma State. But then you fast forward to, you know, this year, this past year, and just it, he hasn't progressed, in my opinion. But then what frustrates you is when you watch, you know, I remember I was all in on Oklahoma State crashing the playoff party, right? All they had to do was beat Baylor. And Sanders goes in that game. And tricks off this game. He has, what, four turnovers. And some of them were just, like, mind-boggling. Like, bro, what were you even doing? Like, why even? How, how did that even become a decision? You know, that don't even make sense on paper. Like, and so you have that dichotomy attached to what he did against Notre Dame the next, the next game they played. It's like, man, where was this dude last week? Like, if, if you played like this, you know, in the Big 12 championship game, maybe Oklahoma State is in the college football playoff. And because, they, you know, they were playing great ball all season long, good defense, and they had the ability to run the football, had depth in the backfield. Sanders was playing efficient. He had won some big games earlier in the year. And then so now you sit here and like, man, which one am I getting? Am I getting the Baylor Sanders or am I getting this Sanders versus Notre Dame? And so that kind of frustrates you going into the season because, yeah, he has a lot of excellent tools. Um, if he puts it all together and be consistent, he could be a second-round pick, in my opinion. But will we see his game flatline consistently across the board, or will we continue to see the helter-skelter-like play from him? So you can see I'm kind of torn on on him. Uh, but, man, he does remind me a lot of you know, Jordan Tomo and what he was doing this past or earlier in this, this you know summer and spring with the Tampa Bay Bandits at the USFL. Never heard someone say tricks off. What does that mean? <laughs> tricks that off? Means that, that, that's, that's another way of saying, uh, you know, um, messed up, 
blew it, you know. Tricks it, off. Yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a. Um, I mean, I knew what you meant. Yeah, I, just, right. I, I love when you drop something I never heard before. Tricks <laughs> off. All right, he, he tricks off. He tricked off that game. Exactly. Um, all right. Hey, look, I'm 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 down with the lingo. I just need to know. All right. What about Connor Galvin, the tackle from Baylor? He's another I, I like watching him block, but pad level, right? You want to see the pad level be a little consistent. I think he's solid on, on outside zones. He's able to reach. Um, he gets his hands on the guys quickly uh, and then able to, to wash them down. He shows a willingness to get out there on the move and try to block at the second level. He's able to do some good things in that regard. Pass pro. I like how he's able to quickly diagnose and react to what the defender is trying to do and then get himself in position. Uh, so, some guys try to run the hoop around him, but he's able to, okay, I see what you're trying to do, and, and quickly stab that that uh, that inside shoulder to kind of give him leverage and push him down. But you kind of want to see a little bit more knee bend, a little bit more pad level, but I feel like he's one of the better old linemen, uh, in my opinion, in the Big 12. All right, let's get to a couple of K-State guys that are both very interesting. The first one is a running back, Deuce Vaughn. Listen, size is not a skill. If you're good enough, you're big enough. You can't hit what you can't catch, and you can't hurt what you can't touch. All of that describes Deuce Vaughn and what he brings to the table. Um, and he he fit, his name fits how he plays. Like you think of someone named Deuce Vaughn, you think of somebody that's short, shifty, and quick. That's him, you know. And he showed he can handle, you know, as most of these smaller K State backs tend to prove. Um, you know, like Sproles and those guys, people think that, oh, they can't really tote the rock. No, these guys can tote the rock 40 times a game if need be. And I feel like Deuce Vaughn does a great job in making guys miss. If I had to compare um, him to a a running back, it's not Darren Sproles, it's not Barry Sanders. It's uh, who's the, the kid that played at Oklahoma? Quentin, I don't want to say, was it Morris or Quentin? Um, I know who you're talking about. With the Broncos, right? And yes, that's I can't think of Vaughn. his name either, but I know exactly the little dude <laughs> that was awesome in Oklahoma. Oh, that's gonna kill me now. His I know his first name, Quint. Man, he was a, I thought he was gonna be a dog at the NFL level. That's who Deuce Vaughn reminds me of. He's coming up a very good bowl game against LSU. I know you know LSU basically had Quentin you know, Griffin, Quentin Griffin, they right. Dude was tremendous, man. Same little short squatty. You know what he is now? He's the running back coach at UNI. Ah, and no wonder UNI produces some really good backs coming out the um, Missouri Valley Conference. Look at that. Ross quick with the fingers. I like that. Um, Quentin Griffin. He's Quentin Griffin. How many years did he play in the NFL? I mean, he had 656 yards. 2003 to – 2006, he played at Hamburg Sea Devils. Mm-hmm. And then he came back in 2013 and played for the Keel Baltic Hurricanes. <laughs> what? <laughs> what, did you think of, what did you think of his Keel Baltic tape, Emery? Hey, I, I can speak on the Hamburg Sea Devils tape. I can't speak on the, the Keel Baltic tape. That I have never Is that in the German Football League? I have no idea. It's in the Baltic, I think. I'm pretty sure it's in the Baltic League. Look at us. We're, um, we're world travelers, man. Like, that's amazing. All right. Talk about the quarterback now for K-State, and that's Adrian Martinez. The long, I mean, he was at Nebraska for like 10 years, and now he's still uh, he's somehow at Kansas State. Take everything I said about Spencer Sanders and just take out Spencer Sanders' name and then copy and paste 
Adrian Martinez's name. Same thing. Same, you know, some it depends on which game you tune in. You'd be like, man, this dude, they got something Martinez. And then you tune in another game, like, why is he even that quarterback? Right. And so I feel like for him, going to Kansas State, playing in that offense with a foundational back in Vaughn, um, making efficient plays will help uh, you know, help people view him in a different light. He was someone last year that on this show I was thinking, okay, maybe he's this year's Taysom Hill in the NFL draft, a guy that has tremendous athleticism. You can see him playing another position. You just want the ball in his hands because he's a dangerous runner in that regard. And he's athletic enough to do those things that you would ask Taysom Hill to do. So him saying, ah, I'm going to come back and go to another school and, and try to improve my stock as a quarterback – and picking Kansas State makes a ton of sense because K-State, you just have to be a game manager in a, in a positive sense. You know, don't lose a game. That's going to change how people view him and gives him a better chance, if not at the NFL. I think he's definitely a starting quarterback at the XFL or USFL uh, level, and that's type of that's the type of player that I would like to see, you know, bypass that process and go straight to those leagues to, to have the NFL then reevaluate evaluate but to your point he's going to be what a 24 25 year old rookie he's been at nebraska for quite some time and and that's one thing that is going to be a big knock on him is his upside potential because he has played uh for seven six or seven years in college you know football what about last but not least sir Roderick thompson from texas tech if this dude is healthy he is my favorite running back to watch in the Big 12. Yes, over B. John Robinson. Yes, over Brees Hall last year. This dude, Sir Roderick Thompson, got the juice. He has very good footwork, very good elusiveness. He has bursts. He can catch the ball. He reminds me a lot of Kareem Hunt. I am all in on Sir Roderick Thompson. He has to stay healthy. He had a shoulder injury last year, was kind of you know in and out of line. He had a late start to the season because he was still recovering from that shoulder injury. If he is healthy, this dude has the juice, and you heard it here first. Ooh, I like it. I'm glad I said last but not least. You got me fired up now about Saradric. Check him out on social media at Fball Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube. Right now, right at the end of the show, please give us a five star review. It's really easy to do so. We love that. We really appreciate it. Check us out at Ross Tucker Pod. Check me out at Ross Tucker. NFL. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We're all tapped out. Big 10 next week. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.